This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Namai, haere mai, kia ora tanakwe, Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Good afternoon to you. This is January 8th, 2023. It is day 8. There is 200. No, there's 357 to go, sorry. Sorry to frighten you. <laughs> I can't understand my own writing, but onwards and upwards right at this present moment. So, yeah, we're moving on on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Hope uh, your day is uh, going out there very, very well. And uh, right now, we're just uh, changing a CD that we put in the wrong one because it's a three-CD set. So just bear with me because we've got a song that leads into today's history for this day. So I think we've got everything going right now. About my baby. This was number one in New Zealand this day for three weeks in 1969. The Tremolos, my little lady. As we move into the history lesson for today, after all that um, mishap there, January 8th. Uh, January of 1940, 83 years ago today, food rationing introduced in UK. The plan: fair shares for all. In a national crisis, ration, butter and sugar. Uh, adults uh, were entitled to four ounces of bacon and ham, two ounces of butter and cheese and three pints of milk during World War II. That, that was rationing. And you could register at the store of your choice and you were issued with a ration book. Uh, rationing was introduced here in New Zealand two years later. And one of the big hits from 1940, the late, great George Formby. This said there's a troop ship just leaving Bombay Bound for old blighty shower Heavily laden with time-expired men Bound for the land they adore there's many an airman just finishing his time There's many a twerp signing on You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean So cheer up my lads, bless them all Bless them all, bless them all The long and the short and the tall Bless all the sergeants and W.O.1s Bless all the corporals and their blinking sons Cause we're saying goodbye to them all As back to their billets they crawl You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean So cheer up my lads, bless them all They say if you work hard you'll get better pay <laughs> We've heard all that before Clean up your buttons and polish your boots <laughs> Scrub out the barrack room floor There's many a rookie has taken it in Hoop, line and sinker and all You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean So cheer up my lads, bless them all Bless them all, bless them all The long and the short and the tall 
bless all the sergeants and W.O.1s Bless all the corporals and their blinking sons Cause we're saying goodbye to them all As back to their village they crawl You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean So cheer up my lads, bless them all Now they say that the sergeant's a very nice chap <laughs> Oh, what a tale to tell Ask him for leave on a Saturday night <laughs> He'll pay you fair home as well There's many an airman has blighted his life Through writing rude words on the wall You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean So cheer up my lads, bless them all Bless them all, bless them all, bless them all, bless them all. The long and the short and the tall Bless all the sergeants and W.O.1s Bless all the corporals and their blinking sons Cause we're saying goodbye to them all As back to their billets they crawl You'll get no promotion this side of the ocean So cheer up my lads, bless them all Nobody knows what it's worth you have been So cheer up my lads, bless them all Free FM 89.0, Cosmopolitan News and Views going out live and podcast tomorrow just after 10 o'clock in the morning so you can listen back to the interviews and the information on the history with Mel and myself and guests. Bless them all, the late George Formby. Well, I got reminded this morning that it's Elvis Presley's birthday today. He would have been 88 today. But there's the British singing legend Dame Shirley Bassey. She was born Cardiff, Wales, January 8th, 1937. Nigerian father and a European mother. The youngest of six, Bassey debuted in 1953, recorded for Columbia, Phillips, United Artists and EMI. Best female singer, 1973-77. And one of her first recordings in 1953 was banned by the BBC. Oh, one of the long, one of the songs on that long list of songs the Beeb did, si uh, did um, kind of ban. We're going to play it for you. It's called Burn, Burn My Candle, Burn My Candle. <laughs> Oh, 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 
89.0 Independent Community Media Cosmopolitan News and Views Just reminding you that Elvis Presley Would have been 88 today And Shirley Bassey is celebrating her 
is it 83rd birthday today? Still going strong on the song that, as I said, burned my candle, the BBC band. Yeah, there's some strange reasons why some of these songs were banned by the Beeb, but um, that was one of them. We can play it. It's move, we're moving on shortly. We'll remember food rationing again in the UK. Good afternoon, Mel. Good afternoon, and welcome to Narinda's Hagu. Narinda, Hi. you were reported at the... Bruce? You, it's Mel here. You were reported at the end of November by the Hamilton Press as being very keen to see setting up alternatives to using motels for emergency housing. Motels aren't the place for social housing. It wasn't designed for this. Your words? Still true? Oh, uh, uh, legally, um, in a motelling situation, the accommodation is only provided, I think, up to to uh, uh, one month. Um, it's the, the, uh, there's, a, there's a certain stipulation within them. Um, the uh, uh, innkeeper's act, um, which which quite clearly states that uh, I, I, I might have got the, the, the duration wrong, but uh, motelling is not kind of like a long-term accommodation. It was never designed for that. Yeah, of course, we've had these problems in uh, cities like uh, Rotorua and yeah, but. On the other hand, some of these motel owners, they're making a lot of money out of housing these uh, homeless. Over a million dollars is coming into their pockets. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation, isn't it? Well, yes, um, in the sense that the government is prepared to pay for a service and they're prepared to pay um, above and beyond the going rate for you know, a corporate type of situation or, an, or a market situation. It could have been disastrous had there not been that government finance available. The motels might have well, been empty. Well, here in New Zealand, uh, uh, we have a certain social system and social order. Um, you can go abroad to other countries um, that have also endured um, the COVID situation situation and scenario. There's a lot of more poverty, you could say, and that could be considered as being real poverty as opposed to what New Zealand is experiencing. So, um, yeah, for it depends upon where your point of reference is. Now, Rinda, another problem too is some of the people housed in these motels, and I've heard episodes of this from people I know, that some of these people are unsociable, they've got chips on their shoulders, they're blaming everybody else but themselves, mental health issues, out of prison, etc., etc. Well, uh, the, the, the system is geared that way in some respects. Certain people do manage to work the system, you could say. So, um, uh, unfortunately, there are the genuine ones in there that get tired with the same brush, but uh, then there are the ones that have become long-term generational um, what is it, uh, uh, people on benefit and wealthy here within New Zealand. And uh, unfortunately, you know, one generation has got mental health issues. They haven't resolved them by the, by the second generation or ongoing. You have been a motelier through a, almost a generation now, haven't you, operating the business? That must make you one of the most experienced of motelliers in the city of Hamilton. Well, 
Yes, yes, by default. Um, my position is uh, that the president of the Waikato Motor Association does have something to do with my experience in the industry. Uh, we started in 1999, and uh, we're still going. We've built up a family business, and um, and we've, we, we run it with pride. We uh, look forward to doing our best for our industry as well as you know, was it returning, uh, 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 was it running a model family business as well? Mm-hmm. So, um, by default, um, yeah, the experience uh, comes in hand. Narinda, last time we talked to you, were you were telling stories of some of the people housed in these motels of pulling fittings off the wall like sinks and uh, stealing towels, etc., etc. Is that still happening? Yes, yes, I, I mentioned, uh, I, I recall you asking that question last time. <laughs> and whether the things in the towels have disappeared or reappeared. <laughs> um, and it does happen, yeah. That's it's all I can say sort of shortly and briefly. Um, uh, people should learn to respect others' properties um, and they should not keep on making the same mistakes again and again. But... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the, if you're not, if the consequences are not there to not repeat a, a mistake, then, uh, or it's not enduring enough, then the, the mistake does happen again. You must be anticipating a better veneer for the guests of the future. Uh, the conditions have not been conducive to making a foreign tourist feel at home alongside a person homeless? Well, um, you know, there are certain codes of conduct that uh, our association aspires to for motels as well as guests um, in a long-term type of domestic type of situation. We do um, like come across people that breach those conduct. That type of conduct, it can happen with guests as well. Uh, you know, when they decide to forget other people's um, was it, uh, entitlements, who you know, was it uh, having a peace of mind and and um, uh, uh, you know, and, and their own right to enjoying their own space. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, these overlaps. Occur, and it's really up to the motelier to police that type of situation. Narinda, one of the issues too is domestic violence. Have you ever had to um, get in the middle of a domestic in one of your units? We don't provide social housing, Bruce. Um, we, we provide more corporate accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it happening around us. Um, yeah, so, so uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, domestic violence does happen, and generally, a lot of the factors that have happened within um, people that are stuck in this rut of social housing leads to, um, you know, other problems in terms of, um, uh, yeah, other types of, of, of pressure, you could yeah. say, which results in some type of crime. You could say. Yeah, you 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 talk of. Um of uh, these people that do stay at your motel. Do you know if conferences are coming back to Hamilton, there's been an increase in people making bookings to stay with you while these uh, two, three, four, five-day conferences are going on? Oh, yes, yes. The 
economy has to get back to normal. There's no, there's two ways about it. There's a, a, um, a, a prior to COVID in particular, there was some social housing, but the, and the events, etc., had been called off because the people could not congregate in large numbers. But now those those limitations have been dropped, and uh, and people are looking forward to normalcy. And the events, you know, the three, four-day conferences, etc., they have to happen in, to, in order to generate an income for our local economy, as well as uh, maintain, um, uh, the, the, you know, tourism's momentum. Uh, you've got to always remember that tourism is a very significant factor within the economy. I think we provide anything up to ten billion dollars worth of, of um, was it transactions or trade yep. within a year. So, and that involves events as well as, um, uh, 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 you know, just, uh, good. So, if, yeah, yeah, so if any of my friends want to stay at uh, your motel, what's the going rate for a night? We're averaging around $180 to $190 a night. Where would we be without our moteliers during a time of crisis let's call it that because i saw nothing in my life before now that put people out of their homes to the extent that we have seen in new zealand recently hey thank you marin uh, thank you very much for being part of our afternoon and i uh, hope uh, your day is and we'll have to check in with you uh, in a few weeks time just to see how things are going <laughs> you're more than welcome i hope you've had a, a nice um, i i, I hope <laughs> well I hope you. I hope you're going to. I hope you're going to tune into Free FM all afternoon because we're here till two o'clock. So, um. thank you for your contribution, Narinda. Right, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye bye. There, there, there we are. Yes, and that's the perils of a cell phone, Mel. It's uh, we. Uh, it's not our fault. It's it's just his cell phones. Just another thing, Mel. We lost uh, one of our icons this week. Sir Patrick Hogan died this week, aged eighty-three. I did an interview with him just before a Melbourne Cup one day. He was just preparing to watch the Melbourne Cup at home at Cambridge Stud, and he gave us an interview. And what a what a pleasure to uh, talk to Sir Patrick Hogan. And we had an earthquake in town this week. My bed started rocking at half past five, I think, Wednesday morning. There were probably a lot of beds rocking through. And it was centred, of course, in Te Aroha. So, um, yeah, we got rocked and rolled, and, yes, we lost an icon, and... Sir Patrick Hogan, what a great man through Sir Tristram and, of course, uh, Sir Beagle and other, and the tributes are still flowing this week. Well, as we mentioned, food rationing was introduced in the UK this day in 1940 when the swallows come back to Capistrano, which is, of course, Italian. Here's the ink spots. Swallows come back to Capistrano. That's the day you promised to come back to me. When you whispered farewell in Capistrano. Was the day the swallows flew out to the sea. 
All the mission bells will ring The chapel choir will sing The happiness you'll bring Will live in my memory When the swallows come back To Capistrano That's the day I pray that you'll come back to me Spots from 1940 when the swallows come back to Capistrano. It's kind of a song that our next guest could sing, Mel? Yes, no doubt. Rob Innes and Sandra, his wife, know the power of music. It's melody, the lyrics. They took theirs on tour in New Zealand from time to time. When did music enter your childhoods, Rob? Oh, I would say, actually, when I was about four years old now. Um, I was born in Germany, of course, I'm a, what they call an army brat, and my father was in the, uh, the army, and so just after the war, I was born there, and apparently I got up at four years old and sang, put another nickel in yeah. on stage at, oh, the, at a, the officer's club. A <laughs> precocious start. To, oh, yeah. right. yeah. I had no nerves in those days now. Notice that you dedicate your last album to your dear dad. Yes, I did indeed, because he always loved a good song, and uh, every opportunity he had, even when I was out performing, I'd be out performing at a club or something, and dad would come up and tap me on the shoulder and said, would you mind passing a wee song with you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's have a wee song now and listen to your artistry. Yeah, talk about uh, songwriters from World War II. Johnny Mercer was one of them, and he wrote a whole heap of World War II songs. This is one of his favourites from 1962. came from a movie, of course, starring Audrey Hepburn. Moon River, Johnny Mercer. And, of course, Henry Mancini. And...
Rob, it's the kind of music that uh, people like Michael Bublé record. So, uh, are you a fan of Michael Bublé? Oh, yes, I love, love his smooth tones as well. Yeah, he, he sings all the same stuff I sing. So. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you seen the video of him singing with Bing Crosby through the magic of um, television? Have you seen that particular video? No, I haven't. Actually. There was a video online of him singing with Magic of um, Film these days, singing along with um, the late Bing Crosby. It's um, oh, yeah, yeah. That that would be something to to see and hear. What's the story that lies behind organising the release of your first CD with this excellent uh, selection? heard me singing, this was in the early days of our meeting, Mel, and um, he said, I think you should actually make an album. So we scratched and saved and scraped up enough to... Are you still there? Yes, yes, no. Oh, okay. I yeah. just heard a few crackles and beats yeah. there. No, no, <laughs> I, I was just changing tracks because right now we're playing, uh, we're playing right. one of your own songs called This oh, Time. Okay. When you reach down How much time do you take to write a song? Uh, That song came to me fairly quickly, actually, but um, the song this time. I sat down one night and um, grabbed my guitar about two or three in the morning, and by about six, I think I kind of had what I wanted to do with it, and then uh, I gave it to a, a very gifted uh, producer Mike McCarthy at um, Manuka Sounds, Manuka Studios in Arewa and he came up with a beautiful arrangement for it so yeah some of them take longer than others uh, yeah. of course <laughs> your, your voice sounds um, similar to the late Rob Guest you, you, have, you, have you moved into like Rob Guest did stage shows etc etc no no I haven't uh, had the privilege of meeting Rob at a, a show he did in uh, Pukekohe a few years ago and uh, not long before he sadly passed away but uh, yeah he certainly was a great artist and you're not too bad yourself it could well have led to a stellar career internationally did you ever oh, see that, any sign that, that, it... that would have been nice <laughs> <laughs> did you hope they, they say that it's too late but I think in my case it could be <laughs> it, it was um, many years ago but um when did you make the first CD? Uh, that first CD came out in 2000, I think it was. Oh, I know, so. Yeah, around about 2000. Yeah, so at that one. stage you were in middle age? Uh, yes, I was in my 50s then. Yeah. That's right. I, some would regard that as late to begin, but it's not held you back, has it? Well, I was thinking it was quite late, but Sandra encouraged me and then... Good, um, good on her. And I, and yeah. then... Yeah, here I heard the yeah. singing in the mall in Auckland one day, selling my CDs to make a living, and uh, well, they said, would you be interested in making an album with EMI? And, yeah. Uh, I said, absolutely fantastic. So we actually did two albums through EMI. Uh, well, yeah. with there, another album. Well, if Tony Bennett could still sing in his early 90s, sadly, he's had to retire. Um, listen, yeah. there's a signature tune, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Ever been to oh. that city? But that's um, the reason I put that on one of my CDs is um, I lived in San Francisco for two years and uh, 
that's always been a favourite. Was yeah. it what you expected, the life of that famous city, San Francisco? Sorry, that I didn't quite get Did the life bear out what you expected of that city? Oh, when I was living there, I was really busy working in the shipyards at that stage and um, as a marine electrician, but um, very hard work um, and didn't have much time to play, but certainly did enjoy San Francisco as a city. And uh, I lived in the suburbs and yeah, beautiful, beautiful scenery around the area and plenty to do, of course, being a city the size of San Francisco. Did you get and to of course, mum and dad were living there. He was working in the um, hangars for United Airlines in those days. So yeah. I was uh, cheap accommodation there for a while now. Did you get to take any part in the nightlife of the city? I, I did actually get out to yeah, a couple of uh, couple of nightclubs and uh, was offered a job to sing in one or two of them and because I was at a piano bar one night singing along with a, a very capable pianist and the, the owner came up and said, would you like a job as a regular artist? I said, love to, but I'm heading back to New Zealand, which I was before. Let's, okay, so. let's enjoy your finish to this number here. I'm just mm. looking. Very Tony Bennett, isn't it? <laughs> it's Robin, is <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm sure there's a good oh, part that's you. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. and you alone, Rob. Yeah. There, you 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 dedicate uh, this uh, CD, which we played our song off to Sandra. Does she sing herself? She she always said to me at my concerts that people would pay for her to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> she just she doesn't realise she can sing and she can. I'm sing sure. Do you have the idea that everyone could sing just like we could all learn to play an instrument if if we tried? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, there's different opinions on that. I mean, I encourage anyone to sing, no matter what they think they sound like. Um, you know, singing is really good for the soul. And if you get out there and feel like bursting into the song, then I recommend people do it. And um, don't listen to what your friends and family say. If it makes you feel good, just do it. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a point too. Because the other night, and I've seen this before, I was watching a video of Sir Tom Jones on The Voice UK, and he was singing along with Peter Donegan, the son of Lonnie, and oh, they were yeah. they were doing a duet of "I'll Never Fall in Love Again," which was brilliant because Tom is in his eighties now, and Peter Donegan yeah. has become a big country star, following in the footsteps of his late great father. So, do you, do you think you could go on, say, a talent quest like The Voice and show how good you are? <laughs> Modest man. Well, um, it wasn't that, wasn't that long ago. I was on New Zealand's Got Talent and, uh, yeah, actually managed to scrape in even for an old fellow like me. I came <laughs> number seven. So, I'm... in 2013. Yeah, I, I I like the voice better than UK's Got Talent because I just can't stand Simon Cowell. Ah, uh, <laughs> hey, regardless, you know the guy's been successful though, hasn't he? Well, he has with One Direction and other 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 bands, but yeah, no, 
when you've got a guy like Sir Tom Jones in, 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 in your court, you know you're going to go somewhere, and that's what Peter Donegan did. So, yeah, yeah. But there's other people. There's Colleen and Owen. Who's Colleen and Owen? Colleen and Owen? Yeah. They're my mother and father-in-law. Yeah. And they, can they sing? No, no. They're just a big fan, huge fans of my Oh, yeah. Along the way of life, you and Sandra had an ear to need that arises in other places. We have problems in New Zealand, which we've discussed in relation to the accommodation issue. There are other problems that maybe from a distance are hard to visualise. You became an ambassador for an organisation, Every Home Global Concern. Would you... They've been around as long as I have, Bill. Is that 1946. right? 1946 was the year they, that they we... They started and yeah. they don't um, spend money on advertising. They, um, that's why a lot of people have never heard of that organisation. They go into countries and teach the poorest of poor uh, how to farm in their areas and how to dig wells and get fresh water and uh, help them to combat... Uh, malaria by providing mosquito nets, yeah, which we were involved in doing over here. Um, Sandra and I travelled up and down the country doing concerts right throughout New Zealand. In fact, I think we did three tours up and down the country, and there aren't many places we haven't been to now performing these concerts. So all the funds that were raised for each concert, every single dollar went to buying mosquito nets um, for Africa for the children yep. and those. And in particular, Malawi and Zambia. That's right, those yep. two countries. Yeah. And looking at the album I'm just looking at the moment, For the Children, um, Rob, you're a committed Christian with your family? I, I am indeed, Sandra and I both, yes. yes. Yeah, because uh, you've released a version of uh, Sir Cliff Richard's Millennium, Millennium Prayer. Tell us how you came about. Did you listen to Sir Cliff's version oh, first? Yes. Yeah, that's what prompted me. I was looking for uh, some that I thought people would enjoy and... Uh, I'm sure and we'll we will. Let's, let's listen. Across, let's. And uh, Millennium Prayer, I've always liked this version. I thought maybe he won't mind if I do another version. So uh, between Mike McCarthy and myself, we came up with this arrangement and... Uh, yeah, we both yeah. The problem was the yeah. The problem was the cliff had problems with getting it recorded through his uh, through EMI, and uh, they didn't want to release it. But he went to an independent yeah. label and recorded it, and it was the number one hit. So uh, bad luck for That's EMI. Right. Let's let's listen to your version. You and Cliff have one thing in common, you're both committed Christians. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's good to, uh, good to see Cliff uh, speaking to his Christian principles and um, that's, I'm sure that's what's caused his longevity and great success. I, and uh, I believe, know, good living, people I, have tried to... <laughs> pull him down here and there, yeah. but he's always, um, he's always stuck to his principles, and uh, yeah, he's I, yeah. I, I, I believe he had the number one album in the UK at Christmas time too, so... Um, That's true, yeah, so 
there is still hope for me. <laughs> well, when you get number one single Wham's last Christmas um, a, a retread, it's uh, I don't know how the British charts are going at the moment. So when you and Sandra took time out from the frantic life of Carterton, where you're living, and you went to Africa, what were the first impressions on landing, Rob? First impressions were, yeah, just the abject poverty in some of the villages that are there. I mean, we landed in uh, Johannesburg, and of course, you don't really get a true picture of what life out there in the African plains is like. So we ended up going to the poorest of poor villages. And the thing that struck me is how warm and hospitable the people were, even though they had nothing. They were quite willing to share everything they had and uh, that just really spoke to me. It was just such a wonderful experience. We the, were truly touched by the, uh, the love of the people there wherever yeah. we went. Uh, the photos uh, always show the children with broad oh, smiles and white teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you very, think... Very, very happy with... Um, it just shows, you know, you don't have to have wealth and flash cars and flash houses you know, to be truly happy and uh, their happiness was, was an inward happiness. And, uh, do, you think the, do you think the problem in, in South Africa, it's the government is corrupt? All the... All the... Oh, look, that, yeah, that, that corruption seems to be, you know, quite pervasive in many of the African nations. I won't say all, but I know in two or three of them, uh, the, the corruption there is, seems to be a constant thing that people... And that's why we're so pleased to be ambassadors for every home global concern because they made sure that every cent that was raised actually got to where it was supposed to go and uh, wasn't channeled through other agencies. So uh, it was, uh, they had to be careful where they were placing their people and placing the, the monies that were raised. Even the mosquito net, they had to train the people in the villages how to use them as mosquito nets and not fishing nets. As yeah. many of them did, they thought, "Wow, this is great!" So they'd go off and take them out fishing. So. <laughs> yeah. The the sad news too, Rob, is that the women support workers have had to get out of Afghanistan because uh, the support agencies are pulling out because um, of the regime there. They won't allow women to be part of those support agencies. That that is sad. Yeah, yeah. That's that's very becomes very restrictive to uh, you know, to get the the help these poor people need. Uh, they desperately do need it. So before we left Africa, they, um, they said to us, look, please make sure you tell the people of New Zealand that we are so grateful, even for a $10 mosquito net, because a $10 net uh, was saving, you know, up to three lives. Mum and two kids would climb under the net for a good night's sleep. And so it wasn't just one life per net, it was sometimes two or three. So they were really, really grateful for everything that anyone in New Zealand can do uh, to help them out. It sounds as though there were many underprivileged and never enough to go around, everyone. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, that's the sad thing for you. If, if all the nations in the world just get together and decide to make uh, helping the poor 
a priority, uh, we wouldn't have this problem. Yep. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, I look at America and... A six-year-old shot his shot a, his teacher in the in the classroom this week. I was reading that this morning. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it is sad, but with music, of course, Nat King Cole would have been an inspiration to you because we're playing one of his big hits. Uh, I, Charlie yeah. Chaplin wrote this. That's right, unforgettable. Uh, oh no, smile, smile. Yeah, smile. yeah. 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 we we forget that Charlie Chaplin was a songwriter. That's right, a lot. <laughs> Clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're, we're just uh, moving it up again. Oh no, we, we've got something else coming up through, but uh, we'll ju- just, here we go. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds. In the sky, you'll get by If you smile through your fears and sorrow Smile, and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun come shining through For you There is life after being a singer, Rob. What's what's life after singing for you? I, I know one singer, Tim Beveridge, is doing talkback now, so it's not a talkback career coming up for you, is it? Yeah, I, I'm still singing and still out there performing, but um, also I've got to do photography, so there are quite a few people around the countryside have been buying my photographs, and I think that's Amazing, you know, it started off being a hobby about five years ago and uh, developed into uh, just a nice little sideline to help us out. Yeah, I, I look at some singers and actors in New Zealand between jobs, they go sell real estate. No thought of selling real estate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, oh, sorry, no, I haven't had any thoughts of selling real estate. I'm, I'm really enjoying a more peaceful, lower paced life now. <laughs> And you and Sandra sacrifice the good part of the proceeds of the music you sell. And if anyone should wish to explore more your music by getting a copy of a CD, they can do that by going online. Um, Probably email would be the best way. We don't have a website now. Okay. uh, Yeah, so the, the email is Rob and Sandra. That's in full, R-O-B-A-N-D-S-A-N-D-R-A, at Cosnet, oh, sorry, 77, Robin Sandra 77, at gmail.com. Yeah, oh, I forgot my email. yeah. On your For the Children al- uh, album, you've got your cell phone number, but we won't put that on air, so we don't want people ringing you in the middle of the night. Oh, as long as it's during the day, that's fine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, can we give you your cell phone number? Is this the one on the that you still got? It's 021? Yes, yes. Uh, 893-6... Sorry, 802. That's 021-893-802. So they can give you a ring after this interview and um, they, can, um, give you, they can give you a call and make arrangements to uh, post it out to you. 
sure thing. Yeah, no trouble at all. And just repeating that um, address, Rob and Sandra, all one word or three words made into one, dot 87. Sorry, no, Rob and Sandra, 77. 77, yes. At gmail.com. Very good. Thank yeah. you, thank you for that, Rob. Hey, and, Rob, uh, we've, we've been chasing you for a couple of weeks now, so. Oh, I know. Last time it didn't quite work out, but look, that's, that's fine. And, uh, really yeah. appreciate you uh, giving it another go. Oh, so. look, look, we uh, Free FM does play a lot of New Zealand music that you don't hear on mainstream radio stations, and um, it's a it's a pleasure listening to you. The way you look after people and through entertainment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, look, thank you. Thank you guys so much for um, for your time today. Too, it's, and, it's, uh, a, we'll, we'll let you get back to your lunch. Oh, I've finished that a while ago. <laughs> I, might, I might take an afternoon nap now. <laughs> <laughs> You're entitled to it. Yeah, that's where, that's where I'm heading later today too, so have a nap. <laughs> hey, hey, Rob and Sandra, thanks for, your time, thanks for your time this afternoon. And for oh, your support. Thank you so much too. And your you. support of the people of Malawi and Zambia who are without... Oh. The comforts. Our great, our great privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk to you another time, and we may come back to you in a few months' time just to see how things are going. Yeah, look, that'd be fantastic. Love to hear from you. That's yeah, a pleasure. Happy New Year to you and uh, all your family and your listeners out there. Yep, yep, no problem. Hey, Rob, thanks for your come, thanks for your company this afternoon, and we're going to play a Cliff Richard song, not Millennium Prayer, but one of his earlier hits. He's always been a bachelor boy. Yeah. 
My father was an Ulsterman, broad Protestant was he. My mother was a Catholic girl from County Cork, was she. They were married in two churches, lived happily enough. Until the day that I was born and things got rather tough. Oh, it is the biggest mix-up that you have ever seen. My father, he was orange, and my mother, she was green. Baptized by Father Riley, I was rushed away by car To be made a little orange man, me father's shining star I was christened David Anthony, but still in spite of that To my father I was William, while my mother called me Pat Oh, it is the biggest mix-up that you have ever seen My father, he was orange, and my mother, she was green With mother every Sunday, to mass I proudly stroll Then after that the orange lodge would try to save my soul For most I tried to claim me, but I was smart because I'd play the flute or play the harp depending where I was Oh, it is the biggest mix-up that you have ever seen My father, he was orange and my mother, she was green One day me mass relations came round to visit me Just as my father's kinfolk were all sitting down to tea We tried to smooth things over, but they all began to fight And me be strictly neutral, I bashed everyone in sight Oh, it is the biggest mix-up that you've ever seen My father, he was orange, and my mother, she was green Now my parents never could agree about my time of school My learning was all done at home, that's why I'm such a fool They both passed on, God rest them, but left me caught between That awful colour problem of the orange and the green Oh, it is the biggest mix-up that you have ever seen My father, he was orange, and my mother, she was green Yes, it is the biggest mix-up that you have ever seen My father, he was orange, and my mother, she was green 25 to 2. The Irish, the original Irish Rovers, the orange and the green, talking, <laughs> uh, talking about mixed religions and whatever. You heard, the, you heard that story, Mel. But who's next? The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, oh. Harry and Meghan, strike us as forlorn rejects of British aristocracy, probably beyond redemption. But their children, Archie Mountbatten Windsor and Lilibet Mountain Windsor, with names like that may one day win their way back into the fold. What do you reckon, Martin Dew? One sincerely hope so, Mel. I think that would be a wonderful thing to re-establish some sort of grace in the eyes of the British public. But uh, it seems to me that Harry at the moment is creating a sort of a, an isolation on three fronts. First of all, you have his alienation from the royal family, both in distance and perhaps in philosophy and in loyalty, it would seem. You've also got this extraordinary statement he made about his actions in Afghanistan from his helicopter with the the killing of people from a a great and and dispassionate distance, which has upset quite a number of people in the armed forces who he might consider as a a sort of secondary family. And then I, I do begin to wonder whether if you alienate yourself sufficiently from royalty by doing what he's doing from the remaining royalty in England, does your mystique as far as the American public start to wane somewhat? Because we we know how tremendously keen Americans are on the royal family. I think they'd rather have a, a royal family and a wonderful monarch who serves for 75 years in splendor rather than a, a president who can potentially be replaced every four years. 
and it seems to me that he really is uh, he's doing a wonderful job of creating this isolation both in distance and also in in philosophy and in loyalty and, and not to mention the uh, the recent remarks of the Taliban, which I thought were rather extraordinary. Yeah. I've, I read that this morning, Martin, and I'm just looking at the Emerson right. cartoon in this morning's oh, Sunday yeah, Herald. Right. It says, incoming, that's the king, King Charles III says, incoming. And then Prince Andrew says, it could be worse, it could be the Epstein investigators and Harry showing as Sperry's flying a helicopter and Camilla's there and... Uh, <laughs> You've got to admit that it is absolutely right material for that sort of satire, isn't it? I mean, if ever you're going to hold yourself out as a fertile ground for that type of thing. Oh, and another thing, when I prepared, because I do the Scottish program here on Free FM, yeah. and uh, one of the news items was Harry, he arrived at Queen Elizabeth's side at Balmoral Castle, and it sounded so slushy when I when I did the story uh, last night about... Oh, the Queen whispered to him and all that. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I, You haven't read that part yet, have you? No, I haven't, but uh, I can imagine that there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Do, do, do you think that with the uh, suggested 25 um, people he killed, he has breached um, protocol within the armed services? That's impossible to know. What I do know is that even if that was the case, to come out in an open public forum and make statements like that has put him offside very, very strongly with senior armed service personnel. Especially his revelations of killing Afghans, 25 was the number, with no more compunction than were they chess pieces, yes, as he calls them. And frightening analogy, isn't it? That uh, that'll be reverberating in the British military he once served. Oh, gracious. The other thing, too, of course, is the Taliban instantly put themselves on the map by being, obviously, uh, very upset by this. Of course, having an, an impeccable um, reputation for legality and, and general human rights. Um, but if they do that, if they put themselves on the map, then if there is any sort of repercussion as a result of those statements made against basically the, the man himself, then, of course, they are going to be on record having said, well, you know, we did we did um, point out the fact that we were very aggrieved by these statements and therefore, you know, take note. Martin, do you think the problem, too, is the inner workings of the palace, all the gossip, all the behind scenes, under the stairs, as they say, kind of an upstairs, downstairs type of thing? There'd be gossip, there'd be rumours, and there'd be plots. And I mean, to hear, that, you know, this business of the between the two brothers, you know, over the over remarks made about the marriage and, and that one day that they literally came to blows over it. Do we really need to know this? I mean, isn't this something which could be kept very much in a sort of familial or domestic context? I mean, it can only serve to to vilify and to reduce the, uh, the, the image of the royal family as far as we're concerned, I would have thought. Yeah. Martin, do you think this is going down the same lines as one of um, Harry's relations, I think great-great-uncle or something like oh, that, the Duke yes. of Windsor? Duke of Gloucester. Edward VIII. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. It's a morganatic marriage. That was the first time, I think, for the British public, and, and me, certainly, that the term morganatic marriage was ever used. And it's so, there are so many uncam <clears throat> uncanny similarities between um, Edward VIII and Mrs. Uh, Wallace Simpson, and, and this business of, 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 again, marrying a very attractive American woman in essentially what is a morganatic marriage. It sounds similar because I think Megan's taken over Harry's life. Yeah, oh, yes, she's a powerful creature, no doubt about it. And she obviously is very, very charismatic. He's absolutely besotted with her, isn't he? <laughs> yes, 
but you can see why. I mean, golly. I think it's not just that. I think it's she is a very, very good conduit to a, to a different, a complete break from that very circumscribed, very ritualistic existence he's had since he was born. It must have been a difficult time for a, a bride from another society. Sim similar in some traditions, but <laughs> definitely not in others. But and don't you think, too, that, I mean, the one thing that makes him interesting and makes him attractive is the fact they have this title of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. It's a very attractive title. If eventually they become so alienated from the royal family that they, they're, they're no longer in any way associated, won't, won't a lot of their mystique and charm disappear as, as far as the press is concerned in the States? Do you think Megan's what they title as a carpetbagger? <laughs> I think that's a little bit strong, I think, a carpetbagger. No, I, I, I think if anybody even understands what a carpetbagger is, I think that might be a little bit strong. <laughs> well, it's unfolding another television... Oh, yes. 7.30 on Monday. Oh, 7.30, indeed, on Channel 1. I mean, uh, who is not going to be glued to that? I am not going to be watching it. You're not? <laughs> no. Here we are. Oh, great. I, 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 I just look at it just... <laughs> yeah, no, no, because uh, he, here's one of the headlines out of the world page of the New Zealand Herald. Right. Prince Harry's repeated ambushing of the royal family had a detrimental effect on Queen Elizabeth II's health <laughs> in her final year that's from the telegraph and, oh golly and so uh, some of the stuff out of the telegraph you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't put at the bottom of a budgie cage so <laughs> they can be fairly outspoken <laughs> yeah i suppose really if you would in good faith consider that the minds are already made up as far as the interview is concerned you'd hope perhaps that he can do something to vindicate his position vindicating it on the basis of a somewhat better effort that perhaps uh, prince andrew made to vindicate his apparent position yeah so what is next? To who? Who do you bring in to kind of say to them? I reckon they should bring bring in Princess Anne and uh, bang some heads together. I think. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. A, a known disciplinarian, an excellent horsewoman. If you can manage some of those beasts she used to ride, she should be able to sort out those two fairly easily. And she does have that seniority. She has that that uh, that definite. Uh, Oh, that manner and that power and that recognition, I think, to do exactly that sort of job, if she wants to do it. Well, it, it was Princess Anne that met Prince Harry at Balmoral Castle as, as the Queen was dying. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think uh, they should have a chat. Her and, of course, Auntie should get onto them and, as I said, bang heads together. Can, can they get, I mean, you said, I think very, very truthfully, that the, the next generation will perhaps remake those bonds or at least dispel some of the bitterness that may have been created. But do you think there is a chance for a reconciliation? I, I hope so. A good time would be just before uh, the King's coronation because yes. the news came out this week that Harry might not be invited. Yes, yeah, I heard that. I think that would be very sad indeed. That sounds all too familiar, familiar to the Duke of Windsor. They had a watch in America, the coronation. They weren't invited. No, no, they weren't indeed. That was very sad. But she lived to a great age, though. She, she, she went on into her 90s and lived in a very flash area of Paris. Yes, yeah, she, had, she had all those jewels. She too. did, that's right, of course. And then, then someone sold them off, so... <laughs> that's right, yes. Yeah, he died quite young, unfortunately, the Duke of Gloucester, but he was generally very well-liked. He was a decent sort of a chap, Edward VIII, you know, big... Yeah. And, of course, he handed over a fairly substantial burden to his poor old brother. Oh, the, then, of course, we have the Nazi uh, links with Hitler. I've oh, seen, yeah. I, I saw the video of that the other day, uh, doing some research, and um, 
I think uh, Hitler kind of manipulated uh, the, that couple anyway. Oh yes, I mean they, they, obviously they were they were good friends and therefore uh, probably potential well not allies perhaps but certainly sympathisers. So <laughs> so maybe Prince Harry may, may have the title of Duke of Windsor put on put it on the end <laughs> of his current titles. I wonder because uh, because um, dear old Harry became Gloucester. He was a yeah, it was it was a, it was a sad business altogether because they more or less faded out of sight, and they were such a glamorous couple originally. Yeah. yeah, then you get in the middle of it. Of course, you get the uh, the Duke of Kent, who was um, running around with Noel Coward and that type of crowd. So, <laughs> I can think of worse persons to associate with. At least Noel Coward was extremely witty and accomplished, but yes, <laughs> certainly not quite the profile you'd expect a member of the royal family to be consorting with on a regular basis. Hey, hey, anything else coming out of the UK at the moment? And, of course, the US, you, have you followed what's going on with the election of the Speaker of the oh, House? The of, oh, no, I watched it on, on telly last night, you know. No Speaker has been elected and, and constant retakes of this announcement that uh, he wasn't, McCarthy wasn't going to get the votes and, and how he strode up through the, the House and confronted one of his fellow party yeah. members in the Republican Party as if to say, why aren't you backing me? I mean, if you actually have to face up to someone and say, why aren't you backing me? You must be losing the race. Yeah. Then some columnists wrote that Donald Trump should be the Speaker. Oh, perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he does. He just, just he, he got one vote. Political balance, I'm sure he'd be able to manage a very even hand yeah, no. in Congress. I, I believe there was going to be a few punch-ups <laughs> on, the, on the floor of the House. So uh, <laughs> There we have it, both sides of the Atlantic. Oh, uh, families, uh, groups with yeah. recriminations and <laughs> grievances. Uh, and in the meantime, all we've got to worry about is COVID. Ah, and whether we yeah. get the Chinese in or not with that, without masks. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, Harry's memoirs, this is coming out of uh, the Telegraph again. Yeah. Ben McBean, the double amputee who inspired the uh, Duke's Invictus Games, tweeted that while he loved the plain prince, he needed to shut up. <laughs> that's, that's a balanced comment. Look, old lad, we, we think the sun shines out of you, but we, we wish you'd shut up. You know? uh, hey, Martin, thanks for your time. And, oh, um, we, we, we've got to bring you back regularly, and um, when you're in Hamilton, come and pay us a visit. We're going to have a, we want to see you face-to-face. Right, look forward to it's a pledge. We're going we're to play a song for Harry and Megan and right now because today is Shirley, Bas- Shirley Bassey's birthday. You try and get that out. So here's a, here's a song for the couple. Shirley Bassey, kiss me, honey, honey, kiss me. And let's play the song. Here at Free FM 89.0. <laughs> you 
Dedicated to Megan and Harry. Kiss me, honey, honey, kiss me, etc., etc. Dame Shirley Bassey, who's celebrating her birthday today, along with Elvis Presley. Yes. One of ex senior citizen is not alive. Oh, it's, an, it's another dynasty. It's quite interesting that uh, these stars. Die relatively young. I was reading the, the obituaries in the TV guide this weekend. Yeah. And I was surprised how many were younger than me. Yeah, no, it's it's quite interesting. I've been reading those online and I've got a, I've got the TV guide this morning when I went to the warehouse. Um, we had an earthquake in town this week. Uh, my bed started rocking at half past five. I thought, what the hell's going on? It was... Uh, it was uh, in Tiarua, that's where it was centres, but uh, we, we got a few shocks... Uh, and uh, then it came on the news, a six-hour earthquake had hit town. Yeah, Tiara. They didn't mention the, 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 how far it travelled, like Hamilton, being a big city. I thought they would have mentioned that we had a minor tremor here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, we've got 10 minutes to go, so we'll have to talk about something. But oh, I, yeah, I, that's right. I, yeah. I heard you on Talkback this week with um, the fill-in host, Josie Bagani. What, just... Bring us up to date. And what were you talking about with Josie? Because I was listening at the time. Uh, right, that was to do with. Uh, I just think back to say uh, what I was actually talking about. Uh, she, she, she's been an interesting talkback host this week, actually. Yeah, I think I like a bit of Duncan Garner. Oh. I, I think I was cut off there, but I said thank you, and I thought I was still on air. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it could have been that important. It'll come to me later on, actually, what it was, but I'm <laughs> thinking about what I'm going to talk about today. Yeah, go, go sort for it. It's all yours. It now, Tristan Street, I did highlight on that uh, a few weeks ago, the cones. Now, ambulance, uh, I, I just sort of highlighted again, was going along uh, uh, Tristan Street with the sirens going and the flashing lights, but the cars in front had nowhere to go. And, and the ambulance turned the siren off but kept the lights flashing, because I can see the predicament of the cars in front. Now, what annoys me was I can't really fathom, why couldn't they wait till after the festive season, when everyone's back at work, they could have worked on that road uninterrupted until it's finished. I mean, it's been like the way it was for decades, and they'll start right on, on Christmas, they'll start working on it, then they'll shop for Christmas and New Year break, and they still haven't come back. And they've got cones everywhere littering the road. That probably would have been finished by now if it was all done in one go. Yeah. It, 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 it's, 
I, I just begin to wonder why these politicians don't uh, give the uh, these road people a hurry up. They should do it in the health service. They should do it with all these government departments. Tell them to get their act together. Um, departments like Pharmac, when it comes to getting your medications, um, it, it's just one big mess at the moment. Well, is, uh, that too as well. But the factor is that why they started right on Christmas when they get, I know they're going to stop for about two or three weeks and leave the road abandoned of cones if half them been kicked over. They're littering all over the road. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and um, another thing to do too, when is your rubbish collected? Oh, every Thursday. We have it done privately. What happened this week, and it angers me still, is we had the rubbish truck come through through the street this week, where I live now, and they left most of the rubbish on the road when they were emptying the bins. There was rubbish all over the road. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Is, are we getting a proper service from the people who pick up your rubbish? Well, that's done by the, it's under, the under the council, isn't it, I presume? It, it is. I feel like ringing the council yeah, and t- turning them off, yeah, actually, I mean, because that doesn't sound get, get right. these contractors to get their act together. Because I've had trouble. I've, I've got a private contract because yes. I live in an apartment complex yep. and there's too many there for bins, uh, rubbish tr- uh, bins, so they come up there. But sometimes they don't put the bin down for, after emptying it into a truck. It should be. I'm obstructing car parking. But uh, I got that sorted out, but I had to take action on it myself by ringing up the company. Anyway, we're going to leave it there because I've got to make an urgent uh, call to the little boys' room right now. So we'll leave you with a scene in uh, Aberdeen at the moment. People have been viewing the Northern Lights, the Aurora, Aurora Borealis. It's a very popular tourist destination, Aberdeen, to see the... Northern Lights and time to bring out this song for people who love visiting Aberdeen. And that's where we leave it for today. Thanks for your company. It's coming up. We've got um, Harmony Waikato. Oh,
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.